So they had a recent study where they interviewed high schoolers, and I understand that high schoolers may not be the best audience to pick their brains, but they were talking about what their dream job was, and overwhelmingly out came the concept of wanting to be a content creator. By that we mean, you know, putting together content, creating this stuff to build an audience, build a community, and hopefully be able to monetize and influence people. And while that might sound crazy, that's the future, whether you like it or not. So I am super, super happy along those lines to have Terrell Turner on. Terrell is a CPA and fractional CFO that specializes in making accounting and finances less complicated for business owners, especially law firm owners. And we'll touch on that a little bit, but really what I want him on, what I'm excited to have him on today to talk about is his content creation journey. I'm going to share some of my story. He's going to share some of his, and hopefully we'll, we will be able to convince you that you don't have to... I don't know, be a super attractive model or dance on TikTok or whatnot, to be a content creator and that you can actually drive real helpful value to people. So Terrell, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Is there anything that I missed that you want to share in the bio before we dive into our last episode and then our topic for the day? Uh, no, I will, we'll just, I'll, I'll just feed it into the conversation that we're having. So you're good, man. All right, perfect. So I'm going to ask you more about your story. But before that, I do want to talk about our last episode. Um, our last episode won near and dear to my heart and hopefully to most of our listeners' hearts. We had Jennifer Gilman on. Jennifer talked about how one size does not fit all, finding the right fit for you. Jennifer was a legal, is, is a legal recruiter, and she talked to us about helping attorneys find that right firm fit, like the one that is correct for you, that allows you the work-life balance, allows you to do the work, that doesn't drive you nuts over and over again, or at least drives you nuts less frequently than it otherwise could. Uh, but enough about that. So Terrell, I want to go back as far back as makes sense. When were you like, I want to be a CPA? Like, what what is that story? Um, To be honest with you, I never really, I can't even remember if I ever came to the conclusion that I wanted to be a CPA. What I do remember is um, when I went into college, maybe like my freshman end of my freshman year I knew I wanted to go into business and I did, wasn't fortunate to come from like a family that had you know grown up in business or business ownership I mean my father was a career um, medic in the army my mom was a stay-at-home mom so I mean business just wasn't in my blood so I, I knew if I, I knew I needed to learn it somehow and I figured hey one of the best ways to learn it from what I've heard is people say, if you don't know your numbers and you really don't understand the business. So I figured, hey, accounting seems to be the, the place that helped me learn that. And so that's kind of how I started down that path. And just in the process of doing, you know, accounting, I realized like, hey, the people who are at the top of the game of accounting are CPAs. So, you know, let me pursue that. And a manager of mine challenged me, said, I bet you couldn't, you know, beat my score. I'm like, okay, game on. So that's how the journey kind of started with that. Beat my score of the CPA exam? Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. And I just, I want to highlight something here for everybody listening. Terrell is not an attorney. And if that wasn't clear, you heard it in that exact answer. Because as attorneys, we often are like, well, we went to law school. We know everything and we don't. So I am super thankful that he was uh, vulnerable enough to share that there are some things you don't know. And so you bust your ass to learn them. And obviously numbers become a huge thing for us. So did you beat this guy's score in the CPA exam? No, I, oh, I it, it was one of, it was, so it was the, it was specifically, it was the, the, the CPA exam has four sections. So it was specifically the audit section. Now, the thing was, 
he didn't tell me what his score was when he said that. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to get as high as I can. I got a 95. And when I came back and I'm like, okay, I got a 95. He was like, oh, I got a 98. It's like, what? <laughs> Out of 100? <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, you know, look, it as long as it motivated you to be better and didn't drive you too nuts to meet the need. That's great. So you take the exam, you get this 95 out of a hundred phenomenal score. Um, and then, then what? And then, so for me, I worked for a couple of fortune 500 companies. So one company was called Navistar at the time they were about a $14 billion company. And I did different roles there from, working, you know, in finance with engineers to working with, you know, people in, in the operations to working with the investor relations, which was probably the, one of the, not probably the second most interesting part of that experience because I spent most of my time kind of communicating. I was kind of the, 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 I guess you say the content creator of really for the CEO and the CFO. So, Whenever they had to get on the phone with Wall Street analysts or they had to do those big earnings reports, like I was the one a lot of times writing exactly what they said. So sometimes like I'd look in the Wall Street Journal and I'd see like the CEO was quoted. I'm like, I wrote that line. <laughs> I mean, that's my content. <laughs> and and I think I, uh, after that, I did a role in in I Brazil. Content creator of really for the CEO and both. I did a lot of different things and um, a lot of different roles. And eventually I was like, you know, I, I really want to take all the skills that I learned there. And I really want to help, you know, you know, small, medium sized businesses. And I left, uh, you know, after several years, left corporate America to start my own firm. So I actually left full time in March of 2020 and really oh, just I basically remember <laughs> something sort of important happening in that time frame. <laughs> and so. Really, I, I really had to, to be very creative. And I think that's where I delve even deeper with content. And just in the process of, like I said, developing content and stuff, I kind of found my rhythm of, hey, what are the types of clients, the types of problems I do like to solve? And so it brought me to kind of where I am now as far as like the target audiences or the target clients that I focus on and just really being out of the box because I had an out of the box journey. So it's like, you know, I take an out of a box approach to really helping my clients. So I know you're talking about having basically done some content creation in the last job, but now here it is. You've launched your own company. COVID's coming down. We're going to shut down. Everything's going virtual. Like how did you incorporate that content creation in or, or how did you know that was something you needed to make sure that you did? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the, the interesting things is since I spent so much of my career working with non-finance professionals, one of the things that I realized is I spent a lot of time just explaining what seemed like basic concepts to me about accounting and finance, like what is a profit and loss statement or, hey, what is, you know, what does it mean? You know, why cash doesn't or why revenue doesn't equal profit or why you can't just look at the bank account and say, hey, that's how much money we made. Um, there are other things. So in explaining those things, it just got to the point where I'm like, man, I don't have enough time to keep explaining the same thing. 
So even when I was working in a career, what I would start doing is I just started creating videos for some of that stuff. So there were like engineers and other departments. They were sending each other like, hey, you need to check this out because you need to know this before you go in your next meeting. And so they were sending each other like videos that I recorded answering some of these questions. And so for me going into business and I was like, OK, one of the biggest challenges that I saw because I I sat down and had I, I, I guess they had a meeting or reached out with some phone calls to a lot of the CPAs in my city before I left my job. And I asked what was their biggest challenge? And consistently it was, you know, client acquisition, trying to get new clients and networking and going into, like I said, in March of you know 2020, everything was starting to shut down. So it's just like, how do you get creative about developing those relationships and really getting people to know you exist period and so creating content became a great way because i'm like it's not like i can leave my house and go to some networking event so how do i show up where people are paying attention and content was a great way to do that well and it's interesting i mean we always hear these people talk about well like a really good website's a 24 7 salesperson yada yada i'm like great but a really good video is that same 24 seven salesperson and it's helping you say top of mind with referral sources and it's opening the doors and building relationships with new people. And it's answering questions for clients and saving you time. I mean, it's amazing that you, you know, whether you intention were intentional about all this or not, like you got all this lined up in a really time effective way. I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but that's what's coming to mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, just to see it come together because for me, one of the things that I, I realize about it is, you know, it, it really falls in kind of the marketing area. And to be honest, I'm just not, that wasn't my area. I mean, I was trained as an accountant. Um, and to be completely honest with you, accountants aren't trained to own businesses. I mean, as, as much really? as you would think. <laughs> like, I know lawyers aren't, but that's, uh, but I get that part. Really, there's no, like, you're not even taught like business principles in accounting. I mean, you're taught some business principles, but to be completely fair, you know, accountants are really trained to go into working for a big company or go into a big audit or a big accounting firm. They're not really taught to actually be the business owner or even to be the business leader, because I remember even when I, you know, when I initially came out of college, and I was working for a public accounting firm and even some of the people who were trying to make it to partner, some people would make it a partner and they would, it would be like the shell shock moment because now it's just like, Hey, you got to bring new business into the firm. And they had no sales skills, no marketing skills, and they struggled with it to where I'm just like, Oh, we were never trained to do that. We were trained to do all the technical stuff, but we weren't really trained on the business side of it. I love the, uh, there's a thing, I think it's called the Peter principle. It talks about what you said, like everybody gets promoted to your lowest level of incompetence. And so it's like, great, hey, you're an awesome accountant. Now go be a business <laughs> development rep in essence. You know, you're just a, a more serious accountant, whatever. I just, it's, it's so true. And so many businesses suffer from that. Um, I love what you've done instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I think it's just that process of like say, observing and seeing other people the challenges that they had for me, it was, okay, all right, how can I be proactive to make sure I don't run into the same wall that they just ran into? Because even during the process of when I was like 
early in the stage of like leaving my leaving my full-time job and focusing more on my business i met a couple partners or i guess now the structure within accounting firms is you don't become i guess you say a partner who has like ownership you become a principal meaning it's kind of like your trial period to become a partner and i think a lot of the reason why they started doing that is because people were getting promoted to partner and they couldn't bring in new business and it was causing issues so now it's just kind of like as a principal like hey you got to prove that you can be a partner before we give you the partner i mean or i guess you say all the partner privileges and the partner ownership that's so true and it's and it's the same thing i mean look for anybody listening to this if this doesn't sound exactly like your big law job if this doesn't sound exactly like the, your lawyer career if this doesn't sound exactly like your journey from you know another firm into firm ownership then uh you've had a different experience than me because like everything you've said i'm like oh yeah that's you know i was at the state attorney's office and then they promote you to you know homicide cases when you never handled those but you know some of the stuff and then you open up your own firm and you got to learn all this i just it's it's amazing to me how similar jobs are well how similar industries are but how different the individual promotion tracks are inside those industries absolutely i, I totally agree i mean because that was one of the things that led me to realizing you know of supporting like law firms as my target audience because one of the things that i said is like hey as i started working with more of them i realized hey their path is very similar to how accountants and cpas move through you know accounting firm i mean yes there are some unique things about it but you know there's a lot of similarities and i realized like hey i know a lot about from my own path and just learning from lawyers that i was working with to where it's like man I can really help them a lot more than I can, you know, let's say like a tech company or something like that. So I want to help me connect the dots here. So, you know, you're leaving. Everybody says marketing is the biggest problem. You know, you know that you don't know marketing that well, but you know that you've done these really helpful, informative videos. Did you know that that was going to be your marketing strategy or did you have to talk to somebody about that or like how did you know, how did you get from knowing these videos were helpful in the past and knowing this could be the way that you market? So one of the things that I, I did, I really dove into um, anything I can get my hands on from marketing. Um, and I would say probably in the last probably six months of the corporate job that I was doing, I had strategically started working more closely with the marketing department um, and really pretty much because the marketing the marketing leader needed insight on kind of understanding ROI like where you know are we getting the good return on where we're spending our marketing dollars so we worked closely together a lot and I would just ask her questions about different stuff concepts and marketing ask her hey what books were you reading she told me I would just that night I would go get the book and I I go to say I can't say that I still am a speed reader because I don't read as much. I listen to audiobooks. And so what I would do is I'd get the book and just put it on like 2x the normal speed. And so I can get through a book in half the time. And so I just started cranking through marketing books and watching different marketers on YouTube. And as I started realizing a pattern of, hey, one of the things that, you know, a lot of the firm said was networking. And one of the ways of networking is, you got to give people a reason to want to know you. And so my initial angle was, 
not so much the explainer videos, but to get into doing interviews. And so when I from I would say probably from April of 2020 to December of 2020, I think I had done like 201 interviews of just interviewing other business owners who would likely be clients of mine because I'm like, I had to get very, very in tune to what types of problems are they having? So I'm like, best way to do it is have them on my show for an interview. I love that so much. And so like, look, from the marketing perspective to anybody listening to this, the opposite or the, not the opposite, the other side of what Terrell talked about is huge. Like you have to have that some sort of connection in the industry knowledge, whether that's a lawyer heart, you know, hiring a marketing company, there still needs to be kind of that done with you for exactly the reason that, you know, you were able to get into this spot. Like there needs to be that feedback on the day-to-day -day with the marketing knowledge combined together. That is super helpful. I freaking love that you're like throwing yourself into, you know, Audible or whatever it was, diving through these podcasts. And then the show, like that, I get so many messages on LinkedIn that are like, hey, can we jump on a 15 minute, you know, fake coffee call to talk about each other's businesses? <laughs> Hell no. But when you reach out and you're like, hey, you want to come on my podcast for a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it's going to be? Absolutely. I will spend six times longer on that podcast. Why? Because we can build a relationship because it's out there because it's, you know, the potential marketing opportunity because it lives forever because now it's more video content because we can cut it up because we can post it on my end, let alone on your end. Like, dude, brilliant. This is great. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and it was one of those things that I realized because initially I was doing a lot of um, people reaching out to do, you know, get to know calls. And to be completely honest, no matter how good your notes are, what I was realizing is there didn't seem to be ongoing value from it. And so that's also helped me make the switch faster to, you know what, if we do an interview, if we just, if we have the same conversation in video, at least I can leverage it and I can use it for other things because I'm like, I don't even remember all the people that I sat down and talked to and had a 15 minute call with or whatever. After the meeting, they forgot me, I forgot them. But it's like the ones that I did interviews with, it's just like, hey, I have evidence of it. I can actually point back to it. I mean, it can be a great resource for them as well as a great resource for me. Totally. And you are, you're interviewing potential clients. Like they're literally telling you their story, their needs, their hopes, their dreams, their, their pros and cons, their problems, like whatever. Like that is such helpful information forever for any business. And you're doing it in a way that is beneficial for you and for them and for your listeners and for your business and for, I mean, just the, I don't want to say repurposability because we're not even getting to that part of it, but just like, it is such a better way to talk to people. Well, shoot, now I sound like a jerk. It is such a better way to cold meet people to, you know, like not to talk to people, but just to like get that initial intro, especially for people that would be ideal clients. Absolutely. I mean, cause I think it really does come down to, you know, the fact of you have to give people a reason to want to even talk to you. I mean, because if I'm just coming to them because, hey, I want to sell them my service. I mean, they probably wouldn't talk to me and I would completely understand why, because nobody wants to be sold. And one of the things that I focused on kind of with and the show allowed me to do is to build relationships with people. And I'll be honest, most of the people that I interviewed on the show, they didn't become clients. And when I did the math, I'm like, 
I don't need everybody to become clients. I mean, because I really don't, when I actually did the math out based on my business and kind of some of the rates that we charge, and I'm like, I really don't need that many people to become clients. I just need enough of the right people. And so I was willing to go through and start developing these relationships with people and really just using the show as a way to kickstart the relationship. And without the show being there, mo probably 85% of these people would have been too busy because there wasn't enough value in it for them to just meet with me over a fake piece of coffee or a fake coffee meeting just so I can, you know, sell them on my services. Well, and I don't know, I don't know if you're in our uh, Facebook group, but we posted this on Friday or Saturday about today's show. And there were like four people in the group. They're like, oh yeah, I, I was on Terrell's show. I know Terrell, Terrell's <laughs> awesome, et cetera. So like for people that are looking for an accountant or looking for a lawyer who are in a group and see this, you know, you coming on as a guest and see five or six other people giving you that immediate stamp of approval, like that's such an amazing groundswell of even if they're not going to become a client, you're getting that, you know, credibility bump from them. You're getting that shout out. You're getting that connection um, that I think makes it a lot easier for people to hire you. Even if they're not the one on the show, they just know somebody else who was. Absolutely. I mean, because it, it's one of those things that I really, as I listened to like some of those CPAs and some of the fractional CFOs that I had met with, and even more that I had talked to, one of the, the things that you know, I started thinking really deeply about why are they having this problem? What are some of the challenges and kind of what that, you know, what that sales funnel tends to look like. And one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, when you're dealing with finance and accounting, it's a very personal, touchy area for a lot of people. So people have to get really comfortable with you before they start to open up about, you know, that part of their business or that part of their life. And one of the things that I realized was the content gave me the chance to also help people start to get to know who I am and people start to get a little bit more comfortable, which, you know, I'm kind of in this, I call it this weird state because I, I, I did, I was at a, speaking at a conference in South Carolina uh, last week. And it's one of those strange things when like, sometimes you walk into a room and people are like, oh, that's Terrell. Like, Oh, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, oh, they know me, but I don't know them because they've seen some of my content. But I think it, it, it does do, do the content allows people to start to work through that, I guess, that no like trust factor a little bit faster. So when we do finally have a conversation, there's a little bit of a rapport and a relationship. And I'm not starting from scratch. Certainly. No, and then. You know, are there, I have to imagine there are conversations you have with these business owners where they are sharing the same questions or the same problems. And then you can take that into either tweaking your message on some of your marketing or turning that into specific videos or doing a webinar. Like there's got to be this, you know, um, social listening component of it. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, that's one of the things that I learned from doing, like I said, the intent study on marketing. And, and I'm still, like I said, consuming a ton on like just the psychology behind marketing or marketing strategies and stuff like that. And, and one of the big things that you talk about is just really tweaking based on like paying attention to your audience. If your audience is saying this, then how do you go back and either 
you know, tweak your messaging? Like I said, how do you go back, create content forward? I mean, one of the big things that I'm doing now, I mean, as we started working with more law firms and, and like different, you know, types of businesses, because one of the things that I realized is that although to me, the concept is the same across any business, but if I'm talking to a lawyer, like them trying to figure out something like, you know, what's their gross margin for their business? The formula is the same for any business, but to a lawyer, they feel like it is unique to law firms and they feel like, well, the way we do it is well, very we're different. We're not all wonderful unicorns. <laughs> you don't do things totally different than everybody else. It's not the... And, you know, and, and I realize I'm like, you know what? Instead of trying to force them to see, no, it's the same as everybody else. When I came back and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a video talking about gross margin for law firms. And I'll go back and do a separate one talking about gross margin for marketing agencies. And what it really, what I really started seeing is like people gravitated to it more because they're like, hey, he's speaking directly to me and my group. And so I'm just like, it just became another way of, you know, it's the same concept, just in different, it's, I guess it's pointed at a different audience, but it's the same concept. But I think I learned that from listening to the audience and listening to the people. Yeah, I have a, uh, there's a, there's a fellow marketer um, who ran this ad and I'm a lawyer as well. I get all the lawyer ads from, I guess, my competitors, but I don't even either, either I am happy that somebody's with somebody great or there was somebody terrible and I can't do anything about it. So, um, but this is somebody I would consider to be a, you know, true equal or whatever. And so it was like, oh, PI lawyers, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my God, like, how did this guy know I'm a PI lawyer in addition to this? And like three days later, I got criminal lawyers, blah, 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 the same thing. And then estate planning lawyers, the same thing. And I was like, oh, they're just running all of them. But like the one that's you <laughs> will stand out when it's even not just lawyers, but like super hyper direct. And it's so true, though. Like there are so many moments where I'm sure people think you are actually talking to them because you are talking to the ideal client that they are of the same, you know, demographic, psychographic rundown of. Um, and it's just it's amazingly impactful at scale. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's one of the things that I learned in doing the number of interviews. Like I said, we started doing the show. I mean, I think it was what April 1st was like the first day that I released like an interview. So from April 1st of 2020 to I think it was last week I was looking, we've done I've done what 478 interviews with other people. And one of the things that I realized is like, man, I'm taking notes every time I'm talking to a business owner, like what are the things that they pay attention to? What are the things that they like? Okay, how do I tweak this message to specifically to what they like? Because what I realized is as I started reading like so many different business books and just listening to different podcasts, and I'm like, the concepts that are being discussed are exactly the same. Like the concept hasn't changed. It's just, you know, maybe the example they give is a little different. Maybe the packaging of how they delivered it is a little different, but I'm like, the underlying concept is the same. And like, how do I do that for my firm? Because most of my competitors, they're just horrible at it. They're not doing it at all. Um, most of my competitors, in my opinion, I think oftentimes accountants are kind of a bit arrogant, like, hey, I'm an accountant, you need me. So I'm not gonna really make much effort to explain anything to you or to try to connect with you. You need me because you don't know what I know. And so that's why you should pay me. And I think after talking to so many people, like a lot of people feel that way about an accounting. So I'm like, you know what? Let me take that head on. 
And of course, lawyers are not egotistical. We do not, we are not arrogant. No lawyer has ever thought that about themselves or their client. No, but but it's so true because you're like, all right, I've done, you know, 500 interviews. And I'm like, well, you've created 500 pieces of content right there. And you've made 500 potential relationships and you've gotten in front of 500 potential clients. And then you can repurpose that stuff in, you know, 400 different ways. And now you got 20,000 different pieces of content plus the word of mouth, plus the potential referrals. Plus, I mean, like, it's just, it's crazy to me. You know, we talk about repurpose, 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 but like you're repurposing your efforts just as much as you're repurposing the content. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I think it also, one of the things of late that is really, the content has really helped me do is, you know, people would see different, you know, I guess they would come to me as an accountant and ask me questions that aren't accounting or bookkeeping or CFO related. Um, they would ask me questions, whether it's about marketing or questions about operations. And sometimes they would ask me legal questions. And what I realized, I'm like, okay, all right, I want to be helpful to these people. And what I've been doing is like, hey, that's not my area. And so one of the things that I realized that I could do with the content as well with some of the people that I'm interviewing, like, for example, I would have law firms that would ask me about marketing stuff. I'm like, I do marketing for my business, but I don't like specialize in offering marketing services. So I was like, you know what? Let me reach out and start a, another show called, you know, Law and Business. I'll have Jordan on. Jordan actually helps people in that area specifically. Jordan can talk about his business. So the next time a law firm asks me about marketing, hey, here's an interview that I did. Check out Jordan. I think he says some stuff in it. I can really help you out. If you like him, give him a call. To where it just became a way for me to help not only myself develop relationships, but also to help facilitate other relationships. So now people see me as an even more valuable source to connect with. So I love that. And I want to take that a step further. So after these shows are over, obviously you've got the, you know, question answering component of it where you've got the, you know, you need to watch this episode, really hear from the expert. Are you pushing the content out? Are you repurposing the content? Are you cutting up clips? Are you going back to the shows? Are you connecting people that have been on different shows who need to talk to each other? Like walk me through some of your post show efforts. Yeah. So for every show, we do create a two minute highlight or like a one to two minute highlight for every show, because the long form is going to go on YouTube and the, the audio goes on the podcast. And then we create a highlight that we share on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and also what I'm starting to do is on my website, let's say specifically for a law firm. So I have some videos, some content that I've done. Hey, here are finance topics that you should keep in mind for if you're a law firm. And what I'm starting to do is some of the interviews, like interviews that I did with you, where it's like, hey, there's a person who provides services to a law firm is that content is living on that landing page. So when lawyers show up, like they can get like, hey, if you want finance, here are the videos that Terrell's done. Hey, but if you need marketing, hey, here's a video where I brought someone on that does that to where I can repurpose that. And then, like I said, we're going through where we may create, you know, um, written like photographics of some of the content where I have like a virtual assistant that's going through the interviews. Like she's listening to some of the interviews, creating a quote like, what stood out to her because I could do it, but I'm like, I'm going to be biased to focus on what I want, but I'm like, so the, the virtual assistants creating um, infographics and then we'll use that content. Like I said, when we're wanting to 
connect more with people in a specific target audience. I love it. And so look, everybody, put yourself in, I don't want to say the potential client space in the somebody who knows Terrell space. And every time you have a freaking professional question, you're going to his website and looking for the video that has this answer. Like, what are you going to do when you have to look for an accountant? Like, are you going to go to somebody else? Or are you going to go to the guy whose website you go on like every three months to get some answer to some question between him or the guest? Like, I think that's, an, I, let me rephrase. I hope that's an easy answer in which, uh, in, in which of those two that you would pick. So I guess, I mean, let me, let me flip it this way. If you could go back and talk to yourself 480 something interviews ago on day one, what advice would you want to share? What have you learned along that process that you wish you had known sooner, thought about sooner, implemented sooner, et cetera? I think the first piece of advice I would definitely give myself is, or the first thing I would say to myself is, hey, you're on the right path, speed up. Because I moved a little slow because I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to work. I don't know if I should put myself out there like this. And I kind of moved a bit slower in the beginning. Um, but the first piece of advice I would do is, is definitely speed up. You're doing the right thing. Um, the second one I would say is in some of those earlier interviews, I wasn't as strategic about, you know, the guests that I would have on or the type of content I was doing a little bit of everything. And over time you learn, okay, all right, be true to your target audience. And I kind of live with that fear of, well, if I focus on this small group, then it excludes all these other opportunities out here. And one of the things that I realized, like, you know, if you're talking about everything, no one's going to pay attention. You right. need to be specific to what message do you want to be known for? Like what topics, like how do you want to be known? And I think I would have probably narrowed in on a target audience much faster. And then I, I think the third thing is don't waste money on a lot of fancy equipment. Um, I remember, uh, there are some cameras that I bought. I don't even use them. I mean, they sit in the box. I mean, they're amazing 4k cameras that sit in the box. I, I was laughing with my wife, um, you know, this, this past weekend where we were looking at, uh, I was, I was going through some stuff. I'm like, remember when we bought like that $200, like automated slider so you can get and you know you can get footage from different angles automatically with a remote i'm like we use that thing like three times <laughs> listen to everybody listening and watching you know what a great camera is <laughs> this one it's phenomenal the phone if you've got a you know an iphone i don't know 10 or more or any the google samsung at the same time it's crazy how good graphics if I look worse now than I do normally, it's because I'm not on my phone. I'm on a laptop because I forgot my tripod while we're out for Thanksgiving. So, um, all right. So along those lines, we've got a question here. We're going to uh, pull from our audience listeners. Exactly along those lines. What type of equipment would help somebody get started? Uh, definitely. I would say, you know... And it, I feel kind of bad in saying this because at some point, like, I kind of forgot how simple this was. But the first 85 videos I ever did were on a Samsung. I think it was like a S7. It was just a basic cell phone with a $30 lapel mic. Um, and with that, you know, you have the ability to do video. 
if you just want to do podcasts, you can download a voice recorder app, you know, sit in a quiet room, sit it on the table and just, you know, speak whatever whatever topic you're talking about. I think your cell phone is definitely one of the essential ones. Um, like I said, if you want to improve the sound quality, maybe you get like a, a, a lavalier or a lapel mic that can plug into your cell phone. Um, now, now I will say I use a lot, like I said, I use a, like a Logitech, um, webcam and I bought maybe a, what this mic that you see right here was like the Amazon basic mic. Um, and so it's just, I would say is go with the most basic equipment as possible, starting with your cell phone. If you want to improve the sound, maybe get a simple microphone that plugs into your cell phone and a $10 tripod. And I think that is enough to get you started. And as you start to develop, maybe, you know, if it's worth it, invest in more. Totally. And even, and then I would say, I like a ring light. You can get a ring light, 10 or 20 bucks. Um, again, I am on vacation, didn't bring any of my stuff. I've got a laptop. <laughs> so if you notice the sun has been on and off my face because I want the natural light, but like literally a $20 ring light, like right there is so helpful to get that nice look uh, that I am braving the sun for. All right, along those lines, we had another question from the audience. How would you recommend someone get started with creating like non-show content? You know, if you don't have the wherewithal knowledge base to launch a whole show, where can you start instead? Um, I would say all of my shows started with just, you know, pretty much like a two minute, like a two minute talk of, of me just talking about a concept. Like, hey, I either, I went on Google Trends, I typed in accounting, what were the first things that popped up? And I'm like, okay, apparently people care about that topic because it's in, you know, people are searching for it in Google Trends. Like, you know, one, I looked today and it was, you know, small business accounting, all right. If someone asked me a question about small business accounting, what's two things I would tell them they should keep in mind? And so I would say making quick hit videos or audios, answering questions that are relevant. They don't have to be a whole show. And to be honest, I wasn't as consistent enough to have a whole show in the beginning. I just made videos as topics came up and I just kept listening to, hey, what, you know, what topics come up and what would a person in my profession have to say about that say it in two minutes sometimes it was less than two minutes but that was the extent of my content early on i love that i mean yeah i love um google trends i love answer the public for that kind of stuff and and listening to clients like if you've already got the clients you know if you've got the work and now you're trying to backtrack into getting more work with the marketing or the content creation just ask clients or what are they asking you you know you're probably getting the questions all the time what's that answer that you've given to a client a hundred times now turn it into a video and hopefully a hundred clients will answer or will now have their answer instead of having to jump on that. Yeah. And I think one thing that people, I think they probably underestimate is how valuable it is, is, is your own story. I mean, you know, that more than anybody else are just like, Hey, why did you become, why did you want to become the type of lawyer that you are? You know, who's a person that inspired you. And sometimes I will say some of my best, you could say, most loved content is not when I got on and talked about accounting. It's like, you know what? I just want to say thank you to a teacher who helped me when I was early in accounting. And people love that. I mean, and for me, it was great for me to practice the gratitude 
and acknowledge the person that helped me. But I think, you know, sometimes that can be a form of content that people underestimate because they think my content all has to be pointing back to leading to a sale for me. And sometimes it's like, you know, the content, it can be a tool for you just to deepen your relationship with the people who care about you or just the people that you want to connect with. Well, and to take to take that further, to look at it from the, um, I guess, the content side, the SEO standpoint, the search engine standpoint, you know, um, schema markup. So I don't want to get hyper technical because I'll be honest, I barely understand it. I've got the, the part of the team that does it. But basically, like it's code to Google that allows you to tell Google more information about the videos, about the guests, about the topics, about all this stuff. So you can sit here and give that shout out to, you know, somebody or have the guest on. But then when it comes time for other people to look them up or look up the same question, there's a way that Google knows through that schema to kind of connect all these things. And so you may become a repository for not just your clients or not just your interviewers or not just your circle, but across the whole internet. Um, I've got something else. Okay. So we got another question up here, dude, you are, uh, you're, you're getting some questions here, which is great. <laughs> so let me phrase this the right way. I, you had the smart idea. This is me adding to niche down. So yes, CPA, but the niching into law firms, which allows you to target a smaller audience and whatnot. But if you were going to run a show that just talked about taxes, you know, something that appeals to everybody or just, or personal injury, where really anybody who's got a car can be a potential client. Is there a different show or is there a different way you would have gone about it? Or ultimately for you, did like you have to niche to have the show make sense? Um, I mean, I think you can do a general show or I say, I think you can have a general theme, but I think if the more general your theme of a show is, the more specific you have to be in the description about the individual episodes. Mm. Because I think what you do have to do is you have to let people know, you know, what to expect when they watch this episode. I mean, because I think one of the worst things I think you can do is, is not live or I guess not set the expectation. So people come expecting one thing and they start watching it like, oh, this isn't what I expected. And then they never come back where I do some shows like, you know, I, I you know, we serve like two different core kind of audiences, like, you know, law firms and restaurant owners. So we have like, I guess you say two separate pods in my business. And, you know, for when I'm doing a video for restaurant owners, I just say that up front. If you are a restaurant owner, this video is for you. That way, all the people who come for law firm stuff, they don't sit through and watch that and say, hey, this isn't relevant. Hey, he's forgotten about us. He's moved on. He's doing something else. It's just like, if you're going to do a general topic, you need to be specific in the description or in your intro to every episode. But I do think the more, it seems a little counterintuitive, but the more targeted you become to your audience, the more the wheels start turning of the different types of content that you can come up with. It's, it's so much easier to come up with content ideas when I started focusing as opposed to when I was trying to do everything. Yeah, because then you can go an inch wide and a mile deep as opposed to like just scratching the surface on so many different things. I love that. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I would add is I, I am of the belief that everybody has a niche. If you aren't intentional about it, you still do. And so if you are trying to target that more personal injury, you know, broad swell of people, 
then maybe you need a niche to an area. You know, maybe your show becomes the going ons of the local city. Or if you're talking about taxes, you know, maybe you're looking at a certain subset of, you know, taxes for a single parent or taxes for a family with a kid in school. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like it's a lot easier every time you find a niche, which goes exactly right back into what you said. So if you're saying it and I'm saying it, it must be correct. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I mean, I would say is the niche is also in all fairness, it is probably one of the tougher things for you to wrap your mind around as a business owner, because it seems a bit counterintuitive. I mean, you want to grow your business. So you want to open yourself up to as many people as possible. And one of the things that I was telling, you know, I was explaining this to someone when they were telling me like, oh, if you're focused on law firms, then, you know, you're, you know, you're going to limit yourself in your business and stuff. And when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, all right, how many clients do I need to have the size business that I want? And, you know, I was asking this person, I'm like, okay, all right, how many, how much money do you want to, you know, want to make in revenue? They were like, I want to make half a million dollars. So I'm like, how many people, how many clients do you need to hit that number? And when they said that they were, I think at the time for that person, it was like 50 clients. Okay. You need 50 client recurring clients a month. I'm like, okay, all right. How many business owners are in this category? He was like, oh, there's like 300,000. So why do you need to go outside of this one? You only need 50. <laughs> well, and, and what I've found, I mean, so, you know, my wife's in BNI. She's just networking for, you know, we have a PI firm. So that's why I threw that in as the lawyer example there. Um, and so one of the things we talk about is like, hey, when you're telling stories, all of your stories, they got hit by an Amazon Prime vehicle, they got hit by a UPS truck, they got hit by a semi, they got hit by, you know, whatever it is along those lines. And the benefit of that is one, it's a fact that's more memorable, it sits in somebody's mind. Two, whenever anybody's driving down the road, and they see one of those vehicles, hopefully they've heard the stories enough to be like, I wonder if that one hit so and so's client, I wonder if that one hit so you know, whatever it's going to be. So what ends up happening is when people are there ready to make those referrals, we get a ton that are like, I know you normally want people hit by blank vehicle, but would you do my friend a favor? You know, like, I know you normally work with lawyers, but I got this 40 person dental practice. Like, would you, would you look at the books? Would you do me, would you do me a solid Terrell? Can you help me here? Because you've got that niche because it's so much more memorable. And like, absolutely. And the answer is usually yes, sure. No problem. I, you know, it just, it's, they're not going to be like, I know you normally work with lawyers for taxes, but like, um, I need somebody to dress up as Clifford the Big Red Dog for my kid's <laughs> birthday. Like, can we get that done? Like, you're, you're going to be really close to what you actually want when you niche down. Absolutely. I mean, because it, it was one of those things that I, I realized, and I would talk to a lot of uh, a lot of, I guess you say, my competition um, of other accountants, bookkeepers, and fractional CFOs, and one of the questions that would come up is, oh, you know, what's your ideal client? And what I noticed when I would ask other accountants that they were like, oh, I'm pretty, you know, industry agnostic, anybody. And I'm like, you know, it's going to be difficult for me to remember you. But what I do remember, or I guess what they do tell me is when they ask me like, hey, who's your ideal client? Law firms and restaurant owners. And they're like, man, I can remember that. And it makes it so much easier for them to send referrals my way because it's like, I've given them a reason to remember me. They had a, um, somebody was asking this question on another board that they were like, Hey, what do you all wear in your videos? Like, do I wear a suit? Do I wear the polo, whatever? And I was like, look, it all depends upon your client. But ultimately for me, like if you want a fat white dude in a suit, there's like a hundred thousand <laughs> options. But if you want a fat white dude in a Hawaiian shirt, like you got me. 
like there's going to be people that say no, but it's going to be so much more memorable when it's the people that are, you know, the right people that you want to say yes. So absolutely. And, and I'll say this, I mean, from a, from a finance standpoint, um, you know, when I'm talking with, you know, different law firms and they're like, Hey, even like a PI firm, and they're like, hey, you know, we really we really don't have a target audience. And I'm like, OK, that's what you're telling me. Now let's dig into your numbers. And then when I pull up the numbers and I'm like, you know what? There are certain types of cases that are more profitable for you than others. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize that. And then when we start to go down the list, I'm like, this looks like this is your target audience because you may be doing everybody, but you don't make money on everybody's case. And when, when we started to see those type of trends and I'm like, you know, you already have a target audience. You just didn't realize you did because, you know, you make more money on these types of accidents. Maybe that is your target audience. Dude, that we're going to ask you for your final takeaway. But that was the <laughs> nugget of wisdom right there. Like you do have an ideal client. You do have a niche. You just have to hire the right person to help you find it if you can't come up with it. I love it. All right, as we get towards the end, um, is there anything else you wanna make sure that we cover? We are gonna do the final takeaway, but before then, are there any other topics or stories or anything you wanna make sure that you share before we get to the end of the show? Yeah, one of the things I wanna share, I mean, as far as the, the content goes, cause I think a lot of people, um, you know, when they start to look at, you know, their content, they're like, hey, I've been making this content, you know, this content isn't, I'm not getting like millions of views and stuff like that. And, and I think back to, there was a, a piece of there was a, a piece of content that I had done, posted it, and it may have gotten four views or something like that. And someone was telling me like, oh, that content's not, you know, it wasn't successful. And I was like, well, it depends on how you're looking at it. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that piece of content, there was this lady in, I live in North Carolina. So there's a lady on LinkedIn that saw it that lives in Iowa. She saw that one. She was one of the four people who saw it. She reached out to me in a direct message and was like, hey, I like what you said in that in that video. Would love to connect. So we talked and it turned into a fifteen thousand dollar contract to where it's like, well, when you look at it, you only see four likes. When I look at it, I see a fifteen thousand dollar contract. So sometimes I think as you create your content, you have to not fall into the trap of judging your success by what everybody else sees and really understand that, hey, you know, content could be your, I guess you say, whether or not your content is successful can be based on something other than likes and views. It could be based on, did it help you, you know, deepen a relationship? Did it help you close a contract? And to be honest with you, a lot of times people see the content they may not like it. They may not comment, but they'll send me a direct message and a business relationship starts off of that in which that never shows up in the match or the vanity metrics that people usually see. So it's like, don't fall into that trap of trying to judge yourself based off of the vanity metrics. And the reverse of that is so true as well. Like I know I have a friend who literally his first post on TikTok doing nothing else got above 1.5 million views zero business though now <laughs> he has followers maybe it'll grow into something but like it works both ways all right so i want to talk about our next episode and then do our final takeaway um our next episode will air on 11 29 so a week from today at 3 30 so the same time that this episode aired a week from today we are not having a thanksgiving episode please dear god do not attempt to tune in on thanksgiving 
Enjoy your family. Eat some food. Watch football if you have to. I don't know. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving without us. We will be here back on Monday the 29th at 3.30. We're going to have Arjon Robbins of How to Manage on. Arjon's going to be talking about the other HTM, how to market a small law firm, um, not just how to manage. I just got off with Arjon right before this. We have some really cool stuff planned to talk about um, going into his story and what they have going on over there. So I'm super excited for that chat at 11.29, uh, 3.30. So next Monday, same time. But Terrell, somebody's been listening for the last 50, 55 minutes. And they remember nothing that you said except what you're going to share now. What is your biggest piece of advice, your most important takeaway, the thing you want as many law firm owners to know? It can be something we've talked about already. It can be something totally different. But how can they become the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Yeah, I would definitely say, um, and, and I'm going to bridge the gap between the content and finance because finance is, is, that's my jam. When it comes down to really looking at your business, I think you really have to understand your numbers, like with that topic we are talking about with your target audience. A lot of people are afraid of narrowing down or really defining a target audience, or they come up with this very broad explanation. And one of the things that I challenge you to do is take a step back or actually contact your bookkeeper, your accountant, whoever is helping you on that side of your business and ask them to help you analyze the data to, to see, is there a commonality between your most profitable types of clients? Because that will be one of the greatest areas to help you narrow down and define what your target audience should be. Because if you really think about it, no one starts a business because, you know, they want to go broke and they just don't want to make any money. Like you need to make money to actually stay in business, even if your passion is serving people. So you want to make sure that you align, you know, the target audience that you're focused on and you align your financial goals and objectives. And the best way to do that is really to dig into the financial data or maybe not you, but the accountant you're paying, get them to dig into the data to really start helping provide that clarity you need to move forward. And I'll just I'll go a step further super quickly. There is going to be something there. It might be an age range. It might be male versus female. It might be um, high school education versus post-college degree. It, I, there will be something in your numbers, in your data, that is a niche that you may not have uncovered. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. This was phenomenal. I know I got a ton out of it. I know Greg got a ton out of it. And I know all of our listeners got a ton out of it because we had more questions and feedback here than anybody else, which is the mark of a good presentation. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Again, seriously, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And then we will see you back Monday, 1129 at 330 with Arjun Robbins of How to Manage on our next episode. But Terrell, it has been wonderful. Thank you so much for the time. Hey, thanks for having me.